I think children should be read to all the time. I'm passionate about it. My goal is to find them something they can get excited about taking home, whether they are reading it on their own or having someone else read it to them. I am thankful that Nancy Grenizen is my friend. She is one of the kindest, most hospitable people I know. And she's also a lover of reading and she has poured those native interests and gifts, kindness, hospitality, and reading into her calling, which is to get good books into the hands of children so they become avid and delighted readers. She is the director of the library of one of the area's finest Christian schools. From the Center for Faith and Work here in St. Louis, this is Working with me, your host, Dan Doriani. Here we strive to fire the imagination of Christians who long to practice their faith in the workplace. Through conversations with doctors, athletes, teachers, executives, and more, we seek to engage those who desire to do significant work, to practice love and justice in their work, and who dare to change their corner of the world through that work. This is one of the interviews I am most excited to do with my longtime friend, Nancy Grenizen. If you're a subscriber to this podcast, our goal here is to consider how Christians apply their faith to their work, to their calling, and how they change their little corner of the world. One of our abiding interests is in people who may have low formal authority. If you look at the organizational chart, they don't seem prominent. They don't seem like they decide how things go. And yet they have very high authority because of expertise and because of trust at a sort of a popular level, we might say. And Nancy Grenizen epitomizes that because she is the librarian of an elementary school, a Christian school. She's been at it for 17 or 18 years, depending on how you count. And uh, so she's a resource specialist for the whole school, from kids that aren't quite ready to read yet to the most advanced uh, children at, at the end of their elementary career. And of course, that means that you have, Nancy, you have the privilege of working with some kids for eight or nine years. Correct. You never are their teacher for a year, but you get to watch a child mature. So just give a little introduction. What does a, what does a librarian do at a Christian school? Okay. Um, and what's, you know, what's great about being a librarian that makes you enjoy doing it? Um, first to the first question, what do I do? Um, so I manage a collection of about 10,000 books. Um, that, and what that means is purchasing books, repairing books, culling books, um, organizing books, displaying books, kind of point of purchase, kind of selling books. Um, I also, at our school, I read out loud to every student in the school. So that's from the three-year-olds all the way to the 12-year-olds. I support teachers in their curriculum. So you help them pick a book that will help, that'll be right for their class, maybe the class different year from year? could be a combination year. of that. Right. It could be um, they're studying the Revolutionary War. Okay. So I pull everything we have on the Revolutionary War. Could be I'm making suggestions to them if they only have a couple and they need more. Um, it could, I mean, lots of similar things like that. So you said two things already. You said culling books, 
culling is not a word that we use every day. Okay. But uh, librarians do. So that's book burning, right? You're... No, it's not okay. just book burning. <laughs> what is it? What no, is culling? No, but culling mean? means, um, well, every year I try to do an inventory, which yes. lets me know what's still there and what walked off. Oh, yes. Um, which happens pretty much. But then it gets gives me a chance to touch every book. And so when I look at them, I can tell, and I have a system that tells me how often it's been checked out, uh-huh. um, how old it is. Right which doesn't necessarily indicate whether it's a good or a bad, right. not bad book, but less, less, less read. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, but there's some really old, wonderful books in we, our I library. have one of them right here. You do have some old, Make wonderful. Make Way for Ducklings, yes, that which is, is about 90 years favorite. old. It is. And I love to tell children that, like a book that they love, they may not have recognized the copyright or if I'm talking about a book. So you could take that book. And you would say, and sometimes I'll even go, wow, that book is older than me. Yeah. Okay, so Four-year-olds published don't know in what 1941. Okay, so. And so you just. 80 years. Yeah, you say that. And then they're like in awe, but they love the story. Yeah. And it's still a standing, wonderful, good story. It is. Madeline, yeah. they're old. Madeline also. is old too. Madeline is old too. Won a count, both of those won Caldecott Awards, yeah. Picture Book Awards. But so, so. In order to, um, and I'm kind of approaching this in our library where you have to remove a couple books in order to bring the new books in. So if it's a book that is not being checked out, and you know, I have kids. Maybe kids aren't saying, wow, that was a great book. I enjoyed that, Mrs. Grenizen. Right. And um, And they let you know, I assume. Well, they do, or they'll say things to me like, have you read every book in this library? And, (laughs) you know, I, I have to be honest and say, I haven't. So there's, but I've read most of them. Oh, yeah. So if it's something I don't think is going to be, if nobody's going to read it and I can't get someone to read it, I'll either try to read it and find out whether it's worth keeping or I will take it out. Yeah. Um, So another thing you do that I found really interesting was that you read to kids. Now, you have a beautiful reading voice. I've heard you read out loud. Thank you. Uh, God's given you a good reading voice, I think. What's it like to read to children? What, why do you like to read to them? Um, it's not required. You wouldn't have to do it. No. And I know, I know there are some librarians that the majority of their class is not reading out loud. It's a project or you're, you're right. teaching how to use a dictionary or something like that. I think children should be read to all the time. I'm passionate about it because I, just en- I think it's because I just enjoy watching them. Yes. While I'm reading, I enjoy big. their eyes get really big. Not always, but some yeah. of them do. They wiggle um, if it's funny. Wiggling is okay, you know. Um, some kids listen that way when yeah. they wiggle and move. There's nothing more exciting than watching the connections that kids make when you read out loud to them. They look at each other like, are you getting this story? Well, they'll laugh. Usually, especially with the little ones, it's more like, you know, they have something to share, too. That, right, they, right. They, that has something to somehow. do with right. yes. yeah. And also with older students, it's watching the excitement as a book comes to a climax. Mm-hmm. It is talking about hard things, mm. um, as books will sometimes bring up. They do. Difficult subjects. Yeah. Having a dialogue with students. Um, it's just, it's, and those are the great opportunities of sharing your faith. So you read the book and yeah. then you talk about it. Yes. So can, let's talk about a book you recommended to me to read to my grandchildren, Enemy okay. Pie. Okay. That's a book about moving. Right. Moving is hard. 
yes. for kids. Yes. Probably most kids move at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a story about what to do the, with the fact that you're, you know, you kind of lost a friend and your social position is insecure. Very, yes. And you maybe think you hate somebody for a certain reason. Right. And then maybe you don't hate them. But, you know, when I read that book, at your recommendation to my grandchildren, I mean, they couldn't stand, they couldn't sit still. I mean, they had to jump out of their, you know, out of the seat. Right. And they just had to move. They were so caught up in the story. Well, and I think part of that, there's two reasons for that. One of the is the the illustrations in that book are fabulous. The way he draws in the eyes of the kid or yeah. like on either and side of the And very primitive. Yes. Right. Yeah, there's a couple of uh, illustrators like that. But it's the idea that a father would help a son. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're in cahoots on how to, you know, get your enemy. <laughs> right. You know, and um, in case and, anybody's worried about the book, enemy yeah, pie really is not funny. actually about getting your enemies, but it seems to be yeah. for a while. And right. such a wise and loving dad right. who walks his son through his struggle of losing his best friend, but realizing that he can reach out. And um, make a new friend himself. That's a life issue. It is. It is. And so, reading it out loud is the surest way to right. make sure that you, to to be certain that right. the child has a, an opportunity to address that. I agree. Yeah. yeah. That book doesn't stay on the shelf long. Yeah, I bet it doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> While we're talking about books, do you want to talk about? We have a few books here. We have Stick Man, Make Way for Ducklings, Animalia, which is one of those hidden picture books. We right, have this Snowman. One, this one is Little Island, this which one is a great is, one. But I don't. I never liked the Little Island. But this one okay. is just fantastic. I think Song and Dance Man and Oxcart Man, one, yes. which is one of the you know you're one of your favorite illustrators, right? It is Barbara Cooney. Why is she so good? You know, illustrating is kind of a, a preference. Mm. Um, she's been around for a really long time. She's won Caldecotts. She's also a great writer. Caldecott's one of the best. Caldecott is the highest picture book honor of that year. Mm -hmm. So every year you'll get a first place and some second places. Always depends on what's nominated. Yeah. And um, who's in charge of choosing? Yeah. Uh, But generally with a Caldecott, it's you can count on a really good picture book. Yeah. But uh, she wrote Miss Rumpheus, yes, which you know. Fantastic. Talk about some great life lessons in that yep, one. Right. Um, anyway, she's just, I just like her illustrations. But I also, this is another one, Robert McCloskey. Um, his books are timeless. This one won a Caldecott. Blueberries for Sale won yes. a Caldecott. That's, that's a, great a great story about danger and adventure. With blueberries and, and bears. surprise. Yes. Yeah. Right. Those are good. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you and I could sit here and just talk about uh, books probably all day. We could. How do you choose books for children? So, you know, you if you if we talked about this earlier. If you mm-hmm. have a second grade class, I mean, second grade children can have an enormous range of interest and skill. Right. How do you uh, shepherd, care for, love a child who is... Uh, has maybe got extremely high linguistic skills and wants to read sixth grade level books, but actually is not mature enough for it. Right. How do you love a second grader who's maybe not moving as rapidly through the process of becoming a strong reader? How do you minister to these kids? Well, 
Usually um, I'm in connection with the teacher. Like we talk a lot. Uh, I ask them for reading level. We do at uh, where I work, we test kids for their reading levels. So right. you at least have an idea where a good fit book would be. Mm-hmm. Good fit meaning they can read it comfortably and there's comprehension. Um, Not just reading the words. Correct. Yep. So a lot of kids, especially in that in, in that grade level, and I would say in third grade as well, you know, it's really hard for them. They they want to read the big books because mm-hmm. big means better and grown and, up and, and yeah, mature. And- absolutely, and they that that's what they want. So sometimes it's a struggle where a child is not at a higher reading level, and so th- we work with them, the teacher, the parent, and myself at finding not only a good fit book, but then maybe a book that pushes them a little bit, or maybe is hard, or they alternate pages with their parents. Oh, yes. Um, but uh, the, the students that are, are really high-level readers, um, usually I try to steer them in the direction of a higher level reading book, but that does not have a content that is gonna- Challenge their little soul. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, A great analogy to that is, you know, a heavy suitcase. You would not give Jonah a huge suitcase to carry until he was old enough to manage it. And what we mean is emotional suitcase here. Exactly. Right. Emotional. And so I do my best. It's not always, you know, perfect, but to encourage them. And if I see kids reading books that I would question, um, especially with parents, which I work really hard at trying having relationships with them, where I can shoot an email to them and say, hey, I just noticed your child is reading this. Are you aware? Of a theme that comes up two thirds of the way through. Could be lots of different reasons. Could be divorce, maybe, and they're not ready for that for some reason. Well, usually more serious than that. Okay. But divorce is pretty serious. It is. It is. But I mean, a lot of little kids experience that. They do. Unfortunately. But anyway, you get the idea that, um, and most, I have never had, yes, I've never had a parent say, you know, why in the world did you bother? No, they're usually, thank you so much for letting me know. That's because you have very high informal authority. Yeah. So I'm just, I know we said it before, but, you know, one of the things I like to stress in this podcast is that uh, anybody can make a, um, can make a genuine difference if they apply themselves in their field, looking to love their neighbor. In this case, your neighbors are the kids and their parents. And uh, because you're dedicated to that, I mean, a parent could say, well, who are you to tell me what book my kids should read? Because you don't technically have any authority to do that. Correct. But you have loving expertise, which they respect. And so you make their life better. That's how I see it. I don't know. Does that make sense to you? It does. It does. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to say anything more about the process? Uh, What I'm trying to say is, do you want to say anything more about the process of picking books for children so they can grow at an appropriate level? There's so much to choose from nowadays. So many books. Yes. Um, I get, I'm on quite a few emails from publishers, bookstores. So I'm always looking for books that way. um, I don't subscribe to anything that just automatically sends me a box of books once Mm -hmm. a month because um, I I like to read them before they come in. I have students that will say, Ms. Kronizen, what should I read next? Yes. You probably have a lot who do that. um, 
In a, a sense, good number, in a sense. In a sense, every book is what they could You're read right. next. But but you have to, um, you know, when kids come into the library, which hopefully we'll be back at that next year, they get to touch, they get to pick mm-hmm, up, they mm-hmm. get to read a little bit. You know, Mrs. Grenizen, I need a new mystery. And so I'll mm. put together a collection for that child and they'll pick from that that group. Or Ms. Grenizen, I'm finished with that book. Do you have another one for me? Now, they're not all like that. Right. I mean, you have some kids that they come in, they know exactly what they want, and you cannot they want to read steer every them. They book from a series, well, maybe. They, or they only want nonfiction. And, you mm-hmm. know, and then maybe all they want is graphic novels. Or, you know, and with those kids, I'm always like, let's, can we alternate? You know, can we read And they something? might or they might not. They might or they might not. Or I'll have a parent say, can you please stop sending this home for, with my child? <laughs> and I'll say, I need you to engage with your child. Let's work together. Yes. And as long as your child knows I'm not, you know, banging them over the head, right. making them check that other book out. Right. Or let's let's partner in this. Yeah, that's good. But um, again, it's always communicating, always talking, always finding something. That... So can I just try this? So yes. some kids, <laughs> the library is just, uh, it's like the grocery store. There's stuff on the shelves. I'm going to grab something. Others are maybe like going to the butcher and cut me, you know, of 50 or 80 or 100 years ago. You know, cut me. You, What meat do you have? Yeah. What would be a good meat in your locker right now right. that I could prepare tonight? Yes. And they're all ears and they want a relationship with you. Is that true? Is yeah. that the way it works? Yes, absolutely. Some want, want help. Some don't. Some will stand. And, you know, if you look at our wall of... We call them everybody books because okay. everybody loves them. A okay. picture books, Got it. they don't know what they want. Mm. And I'll say, well, tell me what you like. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll say unicorns. <laughs> okay. And I'll say, okay, <laughs> let's pull some books on unicorns, you know, or let's go to the computer. And we have a car, our card catalog system is computerized. So they can search oh, themselves yes. for what they want, just like in a public library. Yeah. Or... You know, and they learn part of what I teach is how a library is organized and how to how find, to find information. books. Right. You know, we talk about call numbers a lot. I mean, okay. I don't make them memorize the Dewey Decimal right. System, right. but you know, just you want to know, know your way around a library. So I have a ba- I have a question. I'm guessing that our listeners might have in mind right now. It sounds very personalized. So people are probably wondering: Is she a librarian for one of those tiny little? schools for 51 elite you know the average class size is five kids and if if it's bigger how big is it and how does she do it how big is your school how many kids are there i think we're about uh 275 Mm -hmm. we've been as high as 300 before but covid's done a little number on us yeah 275 that's i'd say do you know all of them do you know all 275 um, or i pretty much do no i know i end up knowing all the students every year because I see them all. So that's really special. And usually I end up with jobs because I know all the students better than like the fifth grade teacher. Jobs, you mean you're asked to do things. I am asked to do things. That was a joke. Yes. Yeah. So um, yes, I know all of them. Yeah, that's terrific. It's Um, amazing. Now, some better than others. It's a good teacher of library, I think. I would hope so. I would hope because now... Three-year-olds are not checking books out. Right. So all I'm doing is reading to them. Yeah. Junior kindergartners, our four-year-olds, are not. They don't. They have their own library. They don't take from me. Right. But they come to my library. And you read. And I read. 
um, kindergartners are the first ones and where you begin to have that relationship uh, yeah. starting. Some. Yeah. Okay. Um, to talking about different books, showing them they, they're the ones who we literally work on understanding how that library is organized and finding books. And they're, they're fabulous to work with because they just, they just want to know. Yeah. They just want to book. Um, I'm a, I'm a teacher too. I'm a professor right. at a graduate school. And I think one thing we probably have, all teachers have in common, is a desire to stimulate the brightest, most interested, care for the typical student as best we can, and not lose the student who, for whatever reason, is not as engaged. Right. How do you do that? As a librarian, you yeah. know who is in each of those categories. Right. Rarely do I have children who are not interested in books. Yeah. I, just, I mean, it's a beautiful That's, thing. Let's beautiful. just be honest. Yes. They may not be able to read well, but they can look at pictures. <laughs> right. And hopefully they have parents that will read to them. Yeah. And so my goal is to find them something they can get excited about taking home, whether they are reading it on their own or having someone else read it to them. And then you have students that are voracious readers that just have to have the series. You know, they, they won't even, mostly boys, they won't start a book unless it's part of a series. It's kind of an oh. interesting phenomenon. Well, it's boys, not girls. More boys than girls. Okay, yeah. What are you doing over there? Um, I'm going to ask that we read a little bit. You and I both take turns. Okay. For a moment. <laughs> uh, is that okay? That's fine. Okay. Because I, just, I love your emphasis on reading aloud, and you're a very expressive reader, and I think you, you teach children how to read by reading to them, and the phrasing, of course, implies comprehension. And if you see, I mean, I've watched children learning to read, right. I'm sure you have too, and if they're reading aloud at a certain level, they start to, their eyes are ahead and their mouth trails behind right. because they want to get it right. I mean, I've seen my own children when my own children started doing that, you read to your sister, then I know they're really comprehending when they start reading with inflection and maybe right. a voice, you know, the moo and the moose said. Right. Well, the other one of the other benefits of reading aloud, especially to older kids, is you're reading, I'll say you, I'll say I am reading books that they would not normally yes. maybe pick up on their own. So in yes. sixth grade, we read uh, an adaptation of the Iliad. And they all look yeah, at me like, know. well, they're like, you know. What's and an I Iliad? said, well, I explain what it is. Yeah, but they And don't. why we're reading it. Yes. And that this is going to come. I, and I promise them, I go, you're going to appreciate this when you're in high school. Because you yeah, will read it. Because you already know and it. And you're going to remember all those names. And, you know, they all come away with like, that war was 10 years because of an <laughs> apple, you know, or something like that. I mean, it's just, that's what's so fun. And right. the other thing, and I haven't told you this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Like I like to cook, and so if there's any kind of food involved uh, with yes. a book, food also engages kids yes. in a huge Very way. Very sensory. Very sensory. As, and re reading aloud is sensory. It is. Yeah. So, you know, there's another book I read in fifth grade that talks a lot about cream puffs and Coke separately and okay. lima beans. Oh, okay. And so at the end, when we finish the book, we have an event. <laughs> what, cream puffs? Cream puffs lima and beans Diet Coke. Co not Diet Coke. <laughs> Coke and a bottle, yeah. which most kids have never, never opened had, a glass. Right? Yeah. No, they've had it, but they've never opened a glass bottle. Uh -huh. And this year we didn't have the lima beans because I didn't have a kitchen close by. Or Sam Gribley in My Side of the Mountain, 
at the end of that book, I served the kids rabbit and deer and mussels and frog legs and all kinds of anything that Sam ate, um, we try to eat. Nice. And it's just, uh, it's my way of like, they'll never forget the book. They'll yeah. always remember that. So, okay, you want to read? We're, we're going to read a little bit okay. of The Oxcart Man. Is it okay? Yeah. So the story of The Oxcart Man, I'm going to read just a page that I like. Okay. And then you you know the story mm -hmm. very well. It's been well. a long time since I've read right, it. Right, right, right. So the big idea is this is a subsistence farm, in quasi-subsistence farm in New England. And they, you know, food, clothing, shelter, they do themselves. But they, they raise, they have a few things like goose down, feathers, and maple syrup, and so forth. And so to he goes to, to town mm -hmm. for walks for days. Is he selling it or is He's he trading He's selling it? everything and then, he, and then he uses the money. Money to buy stuff. Okay, so, it's been a while. Um, it goes like this. Um, he sold the bag of wool. He sold the shawl his wife made. He sold five pair of mittens, which his wife knitted. He sold candles and shingles, birch brooms, sold potatoes, sold apples. He sold honey and honeycombs, turnips and cabbages. He sold maple sugar. He sold a bag of goose feathers. Then he sold the wooden box he had carried the maple sugar in. Then he sold the barrel he carried, carried the apples in. Then he sold the bag he carried the potatoes in. Then he sold his ox cart. And then he sold his ox and kissed him goodbye on his nose. And then he took the money and bought a bunch of stuff. Okay. Um, so read a page. That's how I would read. I didn't really. No, I, I thought haven't you read did this. great. I haven't read this for five or I, ten years it's either. It's been but, a long time yeah, for me. Yeah, just read a little so, bit. Sure. Then he sold his ox's yoke and harness. With his pockets full of coins, he walked through Portsmouth Market. He bought an iron kettle to hang over the fire at home. And for his daughter, he bought an embroidery needle that came from a boat in the harbor that had sailed all the way from England. And for his son, he bought a Barlow knife for carving birch brooms with, and for the whole family, he bought two pounds of wintergreen peppermint candies. Yeah. Do you want me Sweet. to keep going? Thank no, you. it's a dear book. So let me, um, so this shirt. is what you do. Do you like it a lot? I love it. You, yeah, I, I think love you it. do, I can tell. No, I've been. Why do you love it? Because I love books mm -hmm. and I love, um, reading out loud to kids and I want them to be excited about reading. Mm -hmm. I just want to share that passion. But I think you love children too. I do. Yeah. And I think No, I wouldn't be in an elementary school. Yeah. You have to love kids. I think you maybe <laughs> even love their parents. I do. Most of the time. Most of the time. All the time. Right. You love them. You don't always like them, I suppose, but um you love them always. Yes. Yes. I don't mean to embarrass you. <laughs> well, I'm like, mm, there's always a, you know, maybe if I've screwed up sometimes. Right. Is there anything frustrating about your work? I'm going to, I'm sure there's something, you know, I'm in a transition right now where, uh, I have let go of some extracurricular jobs I used to do. Right. So those extracurricular jobs I had, there was some frustration with those and I'm moving into more of just the, ch the students, the children, maintaining the collection and working with them in class. And those are the highlights of my great. job. Oh, isn't it so, great when you can focus on the best parts? This, these are all the best parts. I mean, I feel really blessed yes. by just having that. So, you know, is there anything frustrating? Maybe when, you know, you get a book back and it's got Cheeto stains in oh, it yes, because they've sure. been eating food or with it. Or it's left outside. or yeah. yeah. But that just comes 
it's part of the territory. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I hear you. So sometimes people drop off a hundred books because their last child is now in eighth grade and they're cleaning right. out the closet. Right. What do you do with the books that are not so great in your opinion? Maybe they have a set of values. What what, what makes you think I probably I'm not going to throw this book away. You don't throw books away. Right. But what makes you think I probably don't, what are the issues that make you think, mm, probably not in our collection? Um, so I do get a lot of people donating books. Um, and if I already have the book, right. I give it to a classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, I prefer hardcover okay. because they, they last, last a little bit longer. So that these are these are things how I Objective decide. things. Right. And then if it's a book I haven't, I'm unfamiliar with, I'll read it. Okay. There are some books um, that, like cartoon books, possibly could be, um, we have some board books, but not very many. So I would probably pass those on. I don't, I don't give them certain books to other teachers. I will just donate them to Goodwill if that's necessary. Would you reject a book because the artwork is subpar? So if the art wasn't great mm-hmm. and the story was fabulous mm-hmm. and wonderful, yep. I'd keep it. But but if they were both okay. not just okay and not great, I wouldn't. How about a book that's got great artwork and the story is um, okay. insipid, dull, predictable, I or even promoting it. something? I wouldn't keep it because you know, we have to be selective because we have limited amount of space. Right. So I can't just have anything mm-hmm. on the shelf. Yeah. So what I'm hearing actually um, is that, uh, you know, uh, Thomas Edison famously said, genius is 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. That's Somebody the biography m- we read in first grade. Yeah. So that might be applied to building a library. I mean, there's you have certain principles, but you read a lot of books. I mean, you put in the work right. to create a good, you don't just get a good collection by receiving what somebody ships you. You get a good collection by, knowing by reading what you a have. great number of books. Well, and the other advantage of that is you can't, I can't convince you to read a book unless I've read it. Yes. I can't get excited about a book unless I've read it. So when you walk into my library, there's a space right outside mm-hmm. before you come in, and it has a little chalkboard and a table. You've uh-huh. seen, I don't know if you've I have seen, seen it. it yes. Okay, so this is what I call my point of purchase. So when classes come, this is where they stop. We talk about whose birthday it is, and I love illustrators. And very, I have a wall in my library called the Illustrators Wall, and it's helping children identify really great and beautiful artwork. You're building their aesthetic sensibility. Hopefully, yeah. trying to. Well, some yes. of them you are. Anyway. Yeah. So it could be an illustrator's birthday. It could be an author's birthday. And on my table will be all the books representing for that week who's having a birthday or whatever. Mm. So I tell, we go through the birthday list and I point, I'll pull up Robert McCloskey's birthday and whatever. Who remembers this story? You know, and it, most of them do. I read that in kindergarten. Right. You know, but the beauty is, and even if it's a picture book. Right. Or another kind of book where you have kids. Can I have that? Can I have that? They want it. Oh, yes. Right, right there. Away. And it's a first come. You know, I wanted that. Well, I asked for it first. You know, that kind of thing. So that. Develop your trigger finger. Truly. <laughs> truly. And so they, um, 
that's just part of the joy. Yes. That's a huge. There's another section in the library called Unique Image Bearers. Okay. Have you seen that? I know, uh, keep going. I think we might have talked about this once, but go ahead. Okay. So one of the things that I believe in is that books are books are like windows. You can look through the window and you can see a world or using your imagination, you can see another time, time, another, another world, another culture, whatever. But they're also sliding doors. So as you're reading the book, think about you're looking in the window, you want to be part of that. So you open the door and you, and you enter in, the world. Right. Okay. But books, depending upon the light, can also be mirrors. Right. And can reflect you see yourself. Yes. Well, the Bible's and, a mirror. The Bible's yes, like that. But also, not only do children want to see themselves in a book, it's important that they have books to choose from where that occurs. Can I just interrupt real quick and yes. say, most people listen to podcasts and they don't see them. So Nancy is a Lebanese American. And I mean, you know, your your skin color is a little bit, a tiny bit darker. And people right. would say, say, are you like, you know, are you, mid, are you Italian or Greek yeah. or yeah. are you from Algeria or something? And you're sensitive to having books in your library that have a variety of ethnicities represented Correct. in the pictures. In fact, one of these books here that are spread out had a, a child with slightly darker skin, right. which you immediately noticed right. before we started. I've, I have grown in that capacity right. because, you know, over the almost 20 years that I've been at this school, I mean, we did not have authors or illustrators who were representing diversity. Exactly. Right. But one of the beautiful things in our school, well, our school is quite diverse. So it, it's really important that students, no matter what they look like, have something where they look and they see, oh, wow, that girl looks like me. And that's that the boy. mirror function. Yes. That helps the mirror function. Exactly. And that and show others that they don't exist in their own little bubble. I mean, right. the world is a very big place. Right. So but, someone's Asian American, for example. Right. They might see... Asians in China or Korea or Japan or Thailand or something. Right, exactly. Right. So there's this area that we created um, with the help of some really gifted parents um, called Unique Image Bears, and it mm -hmm. has sections in it. And one section is like, who am I or your identity? So it's all books about, and the, all the books are on these shelves and kids know they can like, go look from here, but skin color, books about skin color, books about your name, like the talks, mm -hmm. there's a couple books about kids that have moved, immigrated to the United mm -hmm. States and they, have an, unusual and they have an unusual name. And how do you handle that? And how do you hand, how do these kids handle that? There is um, a book about, there's a, there's a, a shelf about refugees and immigrants, mm -hmm. a lot of books being written on that. There's a fair number that. of refugees and immigrants in our city. Absolutely there right. is, and, and these books, you know, show children what it's like. Yes. You know, and kids want to know. They hey, really want to know. When did your family come to America? Um, my dad's parents. What year? Early, Do you know the year? I don't know the year, but it's like the early 1900s. Um, Could have been. Yeah. I'm going to say 20s or 30s. Yeah. It was his parents. My family finished coming in 1933. That's right. So I'm, um, my dad was an immigrant. Yes. And your, your parents were immigrants. Right. Well, we're all. We're all immigrants, but right. it's a little but bit, you know, when, when mom closer. and dad have an accent, you know, until, I don't know, I was always embarrassed with my father's accent when I was in junior high. Yeah, my dad, I used to want to be more Lebanese than 
than not. And okay. so my maiden name is Nasser. Yes. And I used to tell people I was um, oh, right. related to Abdul Gamal Nasser, who was, was the president true? of Egypt. It was not true. It was not true, no. but it was a fun no. story. But the other the other section I was just going to tell you quickly is on yeah. physical and intellectual differences. Oh, okay. So people who know the book Wonder or saw that movie, that book would be there. Okay. These are these are books with children who could be blind, who have some sort of disability or mm -hmm. a learning difference. They're dyslexic, mm -hmm. um, and there's so many students that have a learning there, difference. There are a lot of ways to be different. Oh my gosh! And there is a book in this on this shelf called. Um, and this is another reason why I love this. Um, Out of My Mind by Sharon Draper. Okay. About a girl who has cerebral palsy. Mm -hmm. And the book is written from her perspective. Right. And so you're in the girl's mind. And she's right. bright and she's intelligent. But her body betrays her. But her body her. betrays her. And people don't understand her mm -hmm. until whatever. Because her speech is indistinct. Exactly. But after reading this book, mm -hmm. like it totally transformed me. Mm. Like how I look at it people who are in wheelchairs, not that I was critical, but like you, I- You got into their mind. Yes. And their experience. And everyone who's read this book feels the same way. My sister bought a copy for every one of her kids because she loved it because it taught them something. What's the name of the book? Out of My Mind. Out of My Mind. Well, that sounds really like good. a book a lot of people should read. <laughs> Doesn't seriously. Yeah, I, well, it's I good, mean, it's not very it, long. Is it for third graders or fourth graders? Yes, they could yeah. read it. Uh, uh, yes, yeah. they could. I mean, it sounds like um, an enlightening book at a child of the right age would be, you know, a four-year-old might no. be unable they to. They wouldn't understand they, it. Right. And for maybe an eighth grader, we're like, ah, I don't want to, you know, I, I'm so different. Although, we're all, but, you know, yeah. there's an age at which, you know, there's children are so immensely receptive to new ideas at some point. They, they just yearn to know. And that would be great for that age. I agree. Yeah. Um, so, do you, you want, anything else you want to tell me about the experience of being a librarian? Um, I will say this. Let me just ask you to uh, label one thing. Um, some people hear elementary school librarian and think fun, reading stories to kids. Other people think, oh my goodness, I would, I would, I would go berserk, you know, picking books and reading to kids and trying to get them to be quiet to read to them all day. I have the best job at, at my school. Yeah. I really do. I see every single child. Even when I'm by myself in my room, I'm with my friends. All those the books, books, the books. Right. The authors. I mean, we laugh about that. And illustrators, yes. Yes, the authors and the illustrators. It is, there is nothing more exciting than watching children get excited about reading. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, there there's not days that, you know, you're, you have a bad day and you're discouraged and so-and-so didn't want the book you wanted them to take or whatever. Mm. But, you know, you have to stop and say, if I can affect one child, even out of a class or yeah. less, right. then I've done my job. Oh my goodness, yes, yeah. So. Well, I, you know, I'm I'm guessing that uh, people who might hear this podcast will think that I wish that were my experience that I loved. I love my work, and of course, not everybody would love being a librarian because the kids' noisiness and fidgety behavior would um, grate on them. Right. And so that's why we believe that you know God gifts people and equips and calls. Can I ask, uh, did you have anybody who moved you in this direction? Was there a mentor that that encouraged you in this? That's an interesting question. When I first started- Formal or, or informal. Right, when yeah. I first started working 
at the at the school, I was at the front desk mm. for a couple years. Yes. But I was always talking to my boss about books. Okay. What I was reading. Yes. And then finally, <laughs> um, oh. when you know who I'm talking about. Go ahead. And so I, I do. I. He finally suggested, why don't you work in the library? And I looked at him thinking, well, that's interesting. You know, but I really like, I loved where I was because I love people and I love right. the kids. And at the front desk, you saw everybody. But, but you can see everybody I, in the library too. Well, it's different. It's better. Yeah. And so I moved into the library and never looked back. So this is one of the interesting things. People who are observant and actually care about other people are talent scouts. Every, all leaders are talent scouts. And this leader, although he was younger than you. Yes, he was. Uh, was playing talent scout. Well, and he's, I, he detected a talent in you that you did not see in yourself. I would agree. And yeah. I thanked him. Isn't when that, he moved on, I said, thank you. Because yeah. I'm doing something I never would have dreamed I'd ever do. Without you. Well, no, I wouldn't say not without. But, well, if he hadn't moved me in is what yeah, you mean. Okay. Right. right. And I did, um, when I first started off, visit other librarians. Sure. To just see what they did and how they did it. Right. Because I'd never So they were mentors before. also. There were. They were. Yeah. Now, that's beautiful. And it encourages everybody to maybe go ahead and share an observation about a friend because people often yes. see us better than we see ourselves. Absolutely. I agree with that. My very first podcast was with Joe Buck. And he was going to my church. I was a pastor at the time. And he kind of said, we got to go to lunch. I got to tell you what kind of a communicator you are. And he labeled all sorts of things. I said, yeah, that's exactly right. That is exactly correct. And I've had, you know, editors who say, when you write, you do this. And I go, I think you're right. I think I do do that. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally <laughs> agree with that. It's just the way world, you know, people who observe with love, if I may say it that way. Yes. Um, can really help us. All right, rapid fire questions. These are real short. You ready? Okay. You don't have to do all of them if you don't want to. Okay. What do you do to play or relax? Um, I like to garden. I like yes. to read. Mm -hmm. I like to bake. Yes. And I like to hang out with my husband and or a girlfriend with coffee. Great. Okay. Putting practical considerations aside, what job would you take for a year? Um, I would go to culinary school and become like a pastry chef. That's I can easily see that. If you saw somebody who had the talent to be a librarian, what would you say to them? Um, I'd say go for it. I could be say, a 22 year old who you had in elementary school and you still remember this right, boy or girl. Right, um, read as much as you can. I mean, that is a full-time, well, if that's, yeah, if if that's children's field, librarian. Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. you have to read, mm -hmm. you have to be reading all the time. So I hardly mm -hmm. read any adult books. <laughs> that sounds terrible, uh, but yeah, I try. It's, it's a slight exaggeration, I, I think. Um, who should I interview next? Do you have somebody for me? I do. Who is it? Tom Heineman. Okay. Who is he? Um, he is the husband of a friend that works at school. Okay. And he's a painter. Oh. Does he paint like... Uh, houses. Houses. Does he paint... Indoor, outdoor. Okay. Cool. There's two kinds of painter, of course. Right. Not an yeah. artist that paints pictures for yeah. your house. No. Okay. Is there any book award that parents can trust almost all the time? We talked about a Caldecott Award, yep. um, definitely. Newbery is the other one. There's a whole bunch of awards out right. there too. Newbery, most of the time, mm -hmm. what, your other 
I'm reading his questions yeah. here is, you know, a resource, common sense yeah. media. Oh yes. Right. Is, mm -hmm. um, a great resource for parents, although it's not a hundred percent, but it's pretty good, mm -hmm. but it, it has adult and kid reviews on it oh, okay. and they categorize them in, you know, moral values, violence, sex, you know, uh, several other different categories. But and immorality of other kinds, like lying that works really well, for example, would that show up? No. No. Yeah. So that, that's why I'm saying, you know, it's... You can't but, totally trust it. No. It just you does still sort of red to, letter stuff. It's the major big Yeah, big yeah, the major items. offensive yeah. things. But I mean, to be honest, one of my problems with books is when, oh, what are we going to do? I know, let's lie to the grownups. And it, and it, and it works beautifully. Yeah. I mean, I hate, I don't no, like I that. I mean, I understand you can depict it, but you don't want to depict it in a way that glorifies lying to your parents or your teachers. I agree. Yeah. I hear you. Uh, well, we don't want to end with lying. <laughs> <Books> <laughs> <about> lying. <laughs> Is there one more thing you want to say before I say thank you, Nancy? Um, read to your kids. Don't stop reading to your kids, even when they're older. And I'm not saying your high school kids, but mm. just because your child knows how to read, you still need to be reading to them. Can I back up? Yes. My youngest daughter and I took a road trip 1,800 miles once, and we read... Um, kind of 700 pages of, of Harry Potter to each other. Out loud. To, out in loud the in the car. Yeah. That, I've was, done. that was a great bonding experience. Yeah. She was, I think she was 17. Yeah, she just, 18, she just finished high school. We went with the climb in the Rockies right. together. And it was just, I mean, other people were welcome, but just nobody else could come. And it ended up just the two of us. That is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah, I've done that with my husband. Yeah. Reading a book he wants to read, mm. but... He would prefer that I read it out loud to him yeah. instead of him reading it. Yeah. So that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. So it is. Uh, Nancy Grenizen has been my guest today, the best elementary school librarian that I have ever known, and nobody else is even close. Thank you, Nancy. Thanks, Dan. Working with Dan Doriani is a production of the Center for Faith and Work St. Louis. We seek to promote faithfulness in the workplace, in education, in discipleship, and in the stories of believers who've applied their faith at work. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and rate us on your preferred podcast platform. You can visit our website at faithandworkstl.org. There you can subscribe to our podcast, sign up for our newsletter, learn more about faith and work cohorts, leave us a message and more. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Faith and Work STL and find the video version of the show on our YouTube channel. All these links are available in the podcast show notes and on our website. Thanks for listening.